It's a very nice hat. Yeah. Huh? How did you find it? It was at the the, the outlet store. Yeah, that's how you yeah. found it. Outlet. And, uh, they had a size eight. It was the only size they had in this hat. Because so did you look for? Did, did you go in there saying I need anything in a size eight, or yeah, did you I go? Really like teal. I think oh, teal yeah. is getting close to favorite color status it's over purple. Megan's. It's a dope color. Uh, it's very popular right yeah, now too. It's a nice color. It's a nice yeah. accent color. Like like. Yeah. No matter what you're wearing, you can just throw in some teal. And the 80s and the 90s are making a comeback, so teal. we're fine. Just throw some teal in there. Yeah. You know, you're like, you're wearing pink, teal. Throw teal in there. Because I'm often wearing you know? pink. You're wearing like a rust color, teal. Throw it in there. Yeah. You know, just anything, teal. And it's it true. And it's the a good companion. Grizzlies is a cool logo. It's better than the present day Grizzlies logo. Uh, and so it's like a throwback thing. And this brand that's on the side, Mitchell and Ness, they usually only make snapbacks. I can't wear snapbacks. Head's too big. So... They should make an extender. <laughs> so usually NBA hats. Don't they have an extender? Yeah, I guess I could do that. But um, NBA hats are almost always snapbacks. So, um, yeah, so I have this one because I found it and it's Nate. And what I found out from one Lids employee, and I don't know if this is actually true, but is that sometimes with really big hats, they kind of just throw them in orders with other, like, like when they ship hats to right. Lids. Who has eights isn't really... <laughs> Like decided on, right? Like, not like this. These people need a lot of eights. They need the eights. This, yeah. Like other than the teams that are for that place. So I'm not a 49ers fan. I actually root for them to get as far as possible and then lose. Um, <laughs> Is the Super Bowl the climax? But would you like them no, to get was, all the way to the I was Super really Bowl? Happy how it happened this year. Just like this. Actually, everything that happened was perfect. I don't no. really care about. No, them. I like no. Patrick Mahomes, so I'm cool with that. And so they won, and I was really happy. Cincinnati needs to lose, and so they lost at the right time. You had a good good run this year. I, Philadelphia is the team that I root for the most in this way. It, either them or the Packers. The Packers were no good, so they, they weren't yeah. going to make it. So uh, so either them or the Packers. I just want their fans to not be happy. Yeah. So That's how I feel the, with the Jets. Yeah. So it's like if the Jets made the Super Bowl but then lost. Amazing. Like if you're not going to – if I'm not going to make it, yeah. then I want you to not make it. And that's how I feel about the Eagles. So it worked perfectly. <laughs> to this year's NFL playoffs were just – ah, chef's kiss. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Couldn't have scripted it better myself. Maybe you did script it. Yeah, I did. Did you put a submission in? Yeah, I was like, to oh, head office. Happen. The 49ers could go through five different quarterbacks. That could be good. The- <laughs> we'll put the guy with the blown the UCL the back elbow. in. Just throw him back in there. See if he can throw a ball. He can't throw a ball. Keep him in there. None of the other Let 53 players have ever thrown He's a ball. Like a hundred thousand dollars a year. None of these guys were quarterbacks on their high school team. They all were, right? All of them were. Every, Every one of one them. Was like not one of them can throw the ball now. Unless they were in a, on a team that had a good quarterback, and they went to school with someone who's now the quarterback. Yeah, but every one of them, yeah. Then they were the quarterback. Apparently, even Andy Reid was a He was a quarterback. quarterback. Yeah. Everybody was a quarterback. Because that's because in high school football, you're like, you know what? None of the rest of these guys are good. You run. Yeah. Go fast. You need the ball as quickly as possible. <laughs> what if we just gave it to you? <laughs> Let's shortcut any handoff situations. Feel, yeah. know? It's better than schools here who just run jet sweep constantly the <laughs> high school football is really frustrating <laughs> you go and you're like what are you guys doing i've asked them that at times the people on the team so yeah like, what, are you, what is the game plan and they're like we don't know are, are we using skills per se no no we don't have that skill they don't have the jet sweep they're not fast enough to run a jet sweep <laughs> by the time they get to the other side of the line somebody's already there hitting them exhausted and it's like what are they supposed to do i don't just every once in a while, just throw it. And then they do that, and it's always intercepted. Just sad. It's Bad high school football is just kind of sad, you know? Yeah. You don't have, like, NFL-level players out there. Guys who are, like, 6'9", just running over somebody. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> just cruelty. Destroying people. And you're like, ah. What's it even what worth? For, you know? Anyway, um, we're not here to talk about football. but or, And the Vancouver Grizzlies aren't even a football team. Uh, so I ended up with a hat because it's an eight, and I couldn't find any better hats, really. I was yeah. like, there was one uh, that I thought about. It was a Dodgers hat, but I have a lot of Dodgers hats. Yeah, the, like, eh, maxed whatever. out on So Dodgers. I can usually find those here. Size eight Dodgers hats. Yeah. Um, but size eight of other hats, difficult to find. The Bears don't really have that good of hats, sadly. It's because it's not that good of a logo. It's a pretty dope logo. The bear? The bear's pretty cool. It's just they don't like to change the bear? colors, you know? Is there, like only, has like there a, only been one bear? Very, like, ah, standard with it. You know? You got to sometimes mix it up and go crazy. Give no. me a teal bear hat. You know? No, Give me no. Bears jerseys. Have some rules. Give me anything but those orange ones. You know? Anyway. Um, or, like, those white Bengals jerseys. Those are dope. Yeah. Where it looks like you're a snow tiger. <laughs> it does, it's not, They're not it? snow tigers. <laughs> white tigers are the result of Aren't they inbreeding. Tigers? But they're not. It's just when... You get white tigers by doing the wrong thing. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to talk about evangelism. <laughs> we're not talking about that today. Today we're talking about the church. So welcome to If I Had an Opinion. I'm Jeremiah. That's Nigel. That's Gordon. Um, those are going to be our two things. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk about the church. We talked about the purpose of church last week. Um, our hold on. Our doctrinal term for the day is. Did you find one? God. Is this a new app? New app? <laughs> Maybe you found a new feature for this. No, I just flipped and I ended up at God. So the term of the day is God. Um, brought to you by the number the number one again. Three. Three. <laughs> and one. But there's not three gods. That's the In problem. Yeah. One. If the word was persons, then it would be good. Um, don't want to be a heretic, you know what I mean? So <laughs> Don't want to be. <laughs> don't want to be. Hashtag wanna, not a heretic. Accidental <laughs> heresy is never good. Um, yeah, especially when purposeful. it's recorded. Uh, <laughs> yeah, better than purposeful. Yeah, better, better. It's recorded, if not. Right. Yeah. Um, then I have to cut it out. So, um, so we're talking about the purpose of the church today. Last week, we talked mostly about worship and then a little bit about the discipleship part of um, church. Hold on. Where were we? Yeah. So again, um, from Grudem, his his definition uh, is that the primary purposes of the church are ministry to God, which is worship, believers, which is nurture, and the word world, which is evangelism and mercy. So those are going to be our three things. Um, I wanted to start, kind of finish up our, our nurturing part with 2 Timothy 4, because uh, I think we maybe, uh, when we talked about like how people are nurtured, Thing is important that we get this part out there, especially when we're going to talk about evangelism too. It says, I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and because of his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. But as for you, exercise self-control and everything, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Um, and I think it's important when we talk about how we nurture people that the main way we do that, um, or one of the ways we do that, is when we are teaching. What we are supposed to be teaching is the Word of God, not other random random stuff. Yeah. Um, we can have random conversations. It's not that we can only ever talk to people about <laughs> <laughs> everything has to be somehow brought back to the Bible, but uh, as we as we are in the uh, office of pastor, as it were, uh, our goal is to preach the word and do the work of an evangelist. 
um, teach according to sound doctrine, all of those things. Mm. That that is part of the purpose of the church. Um, and so when you look at like the nine marks people that we looked at last week, that's one of their main goals. I, we're looking at nurture evangelism um, have to be centered on the word of God. Why? Why do they have to be centered on the word of God? Um, mostly because there are going to be other prescriptions to deal with our life, deal with our decision-making, deal with the questions that we face every day. And what can happen, it's kind of like the telephone game, what can happen is that if you take a principle, which is biblical, and you you leave that, um, that, that principle to the next generation, if all they do is take your teaching or your word for it, um, and that happens generation after generation, slowly we depart from what was literally said and what was actually taught, and we arrive at a place where it gets infused or syncretized to our daily life. So when Paul is, you know, that's where First Timothy, Second Timothy is, is, when Paul is transitioning from this world into the world to come, he's leaving Timothy with instructions so that the generations that come after him are going to go back to God's Word and find their nourishment for their spiritual walk. They're going to find their... Um, their message for evangelism from the things that God has already taught, not just the things that have been, that have trickled down over, over time. Um, the oral tradition that the Old Testament was written in was much more powerful, was much more literal. Um, the way that stories were taught and in cultures that do stories, they are, they take huge pains in the teacher teaching the student to memorize exactly word for word what they've learned. That's not a, definitely not a part of our culture because our information is at our fingertips, right? It's Googleable. It's, 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 uh, it's accessible through just the thoughts we have, and then we ask questions into the, uh, into the ethosphere. Um, we can get that information, so we don't memorize things very literally uh, and, and in a word for word kind of a way. So I think it's much even more relevant today a reminder that we need to go back to the literality of what the scripture teaches. Otherwise, we're going to infuse it with all kinds of human wisdom along the way. Yeah. So I think that gets us to evangelism and mercy. Um, and so the question is, what is evangelism? Um, and what does mercy have to do with evangelism? What is mercy and how do we do those? Um, so... Timothy, uh, Paul tells Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. In Ephesians, last time we saw that there are some people who are given to the church who are evangelists. One of those people is Philip. Um, in Acts 21, we are told that one of the seven, which is the deacons, was actually an evangelist. His daughters were prophetesses. Um, but that's kind of, that was, the, his, his office was as one of the evangelists. Um, so what does an evangelist do? I guess is the question. And I think, I think for most of us, we would think of Billy Graham, probably. Right, like that would be uh, that would be a good most example. People's first. I think it's actually twofold. Obviously, tell people about Jesus and what He did for them. Yeah, but I also think it. I think I. This is where I struggle with Billy a little bit. Being called an evangelist, because you have to train others to do it. Because right. in Ephesians it says, "Equip the saints to do the works of the ministry." So, evangelist should be equipping somebody how to do it, along with doing it. Yeah. Uh, also, should be equipping others how to do that type of ministry. Mm -hmm. okay. And these are these are gifts or being. Uh, there's a level of gift, giftedness. So, <clears throat> in Ephesians, we have the gift of, um, in the sense of 
a person who has a very uh, unique uh, role within the local church, within the church at large. And then in Second Timothy, we have, even though, Timothy, you may be having a pastoral calling, which is local church leadership, doing the work of the evangelist is not, you know, doesn't therefore mean you don't have that responsibility. So we have the giftings, but we also, each of us as believers, have the responsibility to. Like evangelists, I think, are those people, like Gordon said, that are doing that in a very persistent way, in a consistent way, but they're also concerned with organizing the church to continue in that direction. They're they're equipping for that purpose. So the the evangelist has to be the one that recognizes, yeah, this is kind of my wheelhouse. This is the thing that I, if I'm gravitating toward any spiritual activity, this is the thing that I usually gravitate to. And they have to embrace that idea that they're responsible for leading others uh, to, to be equipped and to do that as well, because every Christian has a responsibility like Timothy to yeah. be an evangelist. Everybody's responsible, but, and there's other people who have a gifting of evangelism. Like Billy okay. Graham has a big, had a big gifting of evangelism. Yeah. And then I think evangelists is slightly different because they're equipping the church. Yeah. Right. So, and also, so the word evangelism is just, uh, we, all we did was we transliterated it. Um, it just is the word uh, to basically to gospelize or to preach the good news is kind mm-hmm. of the idea. Um, so an evangelist is a person who preaches the good news or the gospel, the people who tell people the gospel. So when we talk about evangelists in one sense, we're talking about people who preach the gospel. So I guess the question would be, how does the church... Um, how does the church engage in evangelism? What are like the different ways we would see that? So last week we talked about different ways we do yeah. worship. So how do we engage in evangelism? Probably in a broad scope to recognize, like take the, the second Peter three principle, which is like when you have the opportunity, tell people th- about the grace that you yourself have received. Like that's the idea that, that with gentleness and respect, we're engaging with the people around us on a daily basis, and giving them for the reason that we, for the hope that we have. Like that is, that is a, a a connection to him earlier in Peter describing that we're the priesthood of all believers. A part of our holy service toward God is engaging the people around us uh, in evangelism um, to share the good news. Like it's very um, uh, literal, one on one. We're the person that we're next to in a given setting at a grocery store, sporting event, whatever it is, um, to have the engagement of sharing the faith uh, with hopefully the uh, an eye toward ongoing conversations. I, I'm not sure that um, the context is so much in a one-off, like you're meeting somebody you'll never see again. You know, that's evangelism, but there's an ongoing effect too because it's, it's interactive, and that seems to be... Paul, being very evangelistically minded, um, he was very persistent. Regularly, he went to the temple. He interacted with the same groups of people uh, for the purpose of being able to work them theologically toward an understanding of the biblical God. So there is the um, taking the opportunity, but there's also the relational component of uh, trying to build a, a theological bridge from where a person is currently to where they can put their faith in Christ. Right. So, and then I think also the other part is that the church does this, hopefully, uh, as part of like Sunday worship, part of a weekly gathering would yeah. also be that, at least in our view, the church isn't uh, kind of blocked off from people who haven't believed. Like we don't know who is in uh, any given 
a yeah. congregation, so you don't know which people have believed and haven't believed. And so presenting the gospel that way also is partially the work of an evangelist. Mm-hmm. So when you preach the, the, the word, which is what Timothy is told to do, then part of that is always going to be that you're going to come back to the gospel, that the, the, the scripture is about Jesus uh, yeah. and the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so since it is, it is, should be most of the time you're coming back to here is the gospel also because yeah. you don't know who is there. So we have like the public proclamation part um, that happens on a Sunday. Um, and then there is the, or on a weekday at any other uh, programs. Um, but then also the personal evangelism part. So there's mm-hmm. like a both and. And I think sometimes one of the ways that people are equipped is by seeing that modeled um, through public teaching. So even if then no one ever tells them like, here is exactly what you say. Um, if they haven't seen people preach the gospel then they're not going to know they're supposed to tell people the gospel yeah um how would they know right like they're just like oh okay we just come to church and this guy talks and then that's all we do Mm -hmm. um (laughs) because there's already a culture right we've every every institute everything becomes institutionalized so if if christianity began as a movement of relational connection where they became where they didn't have these kind of um, institutional markers of a building and of a designated time and like they didn't have that kind of those elements at the beginning and everything takes on an organizational shape at some point and as it does when it institutionalizes you can lose sight of uh, very similar to what we were talking about earlier but you can lose sight of the idea that this is a saving gospel this is a, a life transforming gospel that uh, that we don't enter heaven by our mutual participation in Sunday worship we we need to recognize that uh, our salvation is uh, is a regeneration of the Holy Spirit, and so we need to be very overt in making that clear: is that that a person can be won over to biblical worldviews and to biblical truth, so that they understand what God's word says. Um, but uh, becoming children, adoption into the family, that takes place through a personal faith in Jesus. So uh, I think there's definitely the evangelistic element. Right. So then I guess the question is why, why evangelism? And we don't have a reason, I guess, why God chose to do it this way. Um, but it seems from, from Romans that God chose to work through the preaching of the word that, that no one can believe unless they've heard the gospel. Um, and then Jesus tells his disciples to pray for people to go into the harvest because it's, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so we're supposed to ask God to send people. Uh, and I think sometimes we are the answer to said prayer, yeah. um, that the, the harvest is plentiful and we're praying. The disciples were, right? Like they're yeah, praying that exactly. God would send workers out. And then Jesus oftentimes is sending them out. And so they're answer, they, they are the answer to the prayer they're praying. That exactly. You, we're going to send workers out to preach the gospel. And then Jesus is like, all right, I'm sending you guys out to preach mm. the gospel. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to pray for something that you're so, not willing to do. Um, uh, and then also, so I, I found kind of this list of like reasons. Um, one of them is that Jesus commanded you to. Um, so uh, that's, that's always a, a good, good reason. One. It's always a good one. Very uh, significant. Matthew 28, Eight. right? Go, go into all the world to preach the, pre, uh, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so you have both the initial proclamation and belief part in that you are baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but also the continuing to teach and equip people. So when we look at Paul's ministry, I think when you read it in Acts, if you're not paying attention to like what it's telling you about time that has passed, it seems like all of his ministry is really fast. And in one sense, it is really fast. Yeah. Uh, but in another sense, he spends significant time in certain places. Um, he spends uh, 18 months in Corinth, 
Uh, he spends three years in uh, Ephesus. Ephesus. Yeah. Um, there's some places he's only there two or three weeks, but usually that is because of persecution is the reason he moves on. Yeah. Um, and so, and when he leaves Ephesus, he has a farewell speech that he gives because of his longing to stay with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, when he does that, he does. It's not just. Uh, I think sometimes we think evangelism kind of is just the. Well, here's the gospel, and you can do with it what you want. Um, but it seems like evangelism and discipleship are tied together. The discipleship starts at the point that we share the gospel with someone. Yeah. Um, and so we tell them the gospel, and then we can't, we shouldn't just leave them with, well, we gave you that, so you're good to go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so Paul is uh, training people in those towns. He, he is teaching them the things Christ commanded. Uh, he sends people to those towns if he's not there. So he has his, his group of people he's traveling with and oftentimes sends uh, Silas or Timothy or Titus to these other places to equip the church, to equip the people who have been evangelized. Um, And so one of the things we should think about as we evangelize people is how how they are going to be discipled, whether it's through us or through someone else or through a different church. So if you're with someone, some random person, right, uh, on a plane and you're going to opposite ends of the country, how are you going to keep in contact with them so that they actually are discipled? Moving so forward, they don't yeah. get, uh, as Ephesians says, the reason we're being equipped by evangelists, pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets is so that we're not tossed about by every wind of doctrine. Um, so yeah. one of the goals of the evangelist is to not allow that to happen, yeah. to not create a bunch of baby Christians who are just kind of anything sure. anyone shows up and says, I'm going to go with. Yeah. Um, and, and then also to see that the, the way that the church is assembled and the way that Christ is, has orchestrated it is that these baby believers don't become attached to one particular person of the faith. Someone comes to church and they're, you know, by whatever means, invitation, they're, um, you know, a visitation, whatever it was, and they could start coming to church. The, the main relationship that the person has shouldn't just be between them and the pastor. Like we, we can't just accumulate more and more people on a one directional relationship or like a two directional relationship, but that's just between the pastor and the congregant. The purpose is to create connectivity with a bunch of other leaders, a bunch of other people so that their faith is being reinforced by the other gifts that God has given to his church. And and that's a part of moving them from simply coming to faith to growing, to growing in the faith. So yeah, discipleship begins, you know, from with every with every communication, there's discipleship, but the purpose is um, to bring that person to a, a saving relationship right. with Christ. Yeah. And in Acts one eight, we're told that we'll do this in or the disciples the the five hundred, and then it's one hundred and twenty who stay in Jerusalem are told that they will be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so we see that this command isn't just uh, isn't isn't just localized, but also shows us that we're supposed to be somehow involved in evangelism that spreads around the world. So. Yeah. We do that through missions, um, which I think is a good bridge to the mercy part. But we we do that through missions opportunities. Either we go somewhere or we pray for missionaries or we give to missionaries, right? So uh, Paul calls the people in Philippi, it's the only church he calls partners in the gospel because he they are the only church that contributed financially to his ministry. Right. Any other time he collected money was for someone else except for from the church in Philippi. And so he collects money from them and he calls them partners with him in the gospel. Yeah. Um, so in Paul's mind, the people from Philippi, uh, in some sense, are doing ministry alongside of him mm-hmm. because they are supporting his ministry. That if it wasn't for them, he wouldn't be able to be there. So every convert, every conversation that happens is 
a result not only of Paul's ministry, but of the ministry of the people of Philippi. Um, which is, I think, an important thing to remember um, when we talk about evangelism is that the church isn't just one specific place in this yeah. sense. When we talk about the purpose of the church, that the church is the, the body of Christ evangelizing to the whole world. That's right. And so we can celebrate the victories of people who are part of the church anywhere, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and we should, we should be like, oh, yeah, that, that ministry is succeeding. And that is a good thing uh, because the gospel is reaching these people. Um, so I guess the, how does, what is mercy then? And how does that tie into evangelism or our work to the world? How would you define mercy? Well, if we're not getting what we deserve, that would be one of the main <clears throat> kind of, perspectives to keep in mind when we enter into the realm of evangelism is there are people that are going to get what they deserve. If, if they do not put their faith in Jesus and their, their walk with him, uh, isn't one in which it's personal saving degenerate, all that stuff. Then at some point along the way, they are going to be judged for their, their sin. That so mercy says, I don't want that for you. That's not what I desire. And so, out of mercy, um, I'm, I'm keeping in mind that there is a judgment to every every life. Will that judgment be abated because they've put their faith in Christ, or will they receive the full uh, and just condemnation of their soul? That that I think is we used to use much more like turn and burn kind of terminology and and, and that kind of thing as a way of of trying to promote that concept that we're not just trying to win people over to an opinion or to a side. We're trying to move people to a place that their eternal destiny has changed. So uh, mercy, I think, is a, is critical in understanding why evangelism is, is essential. Yeah, and I think one of the ways we do that, and the church has always done that, partially, is through um, taking care of people who are oppressed, uh, who are uh, marginalized. So we have a disaster happens, and the people who will respond oftentimes um, you have kind of the big organizations, and some of those big organizations are Christian organizations. And so the reason they're responding that way yeah. is to show the mercy of God on people, right? Mm-hmm. And that when we do that, that opens the door for us to share the gospel, that this awful thing has happened, and we're here to take care of some of that some of that burden off of you, um, but to show also, like, and, and a lot of times when that happens in places that often wouldn't be open to the gospel, become open to the gospel because of that. And so mercy becomes an easy way. Uh, So one of our mission's wings is called Compassion and Mercy Associates. Mm -hmm. I think that's it. Comma. Aha, I did it. Figured it out. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And so that's the kind of their whole thing. So you go in, and so there's a tsunami, and you go in and you help rebuild. And while you're rebuilding, you can stay there for a really long time and be able to have conversations with people that maybe you would never be able to reach. Um, Well, I think we clearly see that there are places that we would – never be allowed to reach right if it was like just the for the sake of it yeah if we were like hey we want to share the gospel with people yeah. Like, no, we're not yeah we want to change your world your entire nation's religion no we're not interested in that what we do want though is if our people are faced by a natural disaster or a pandemic or a plague of some kind we want we want help and so out of mercy we use that opportunity to be genuine uh, in our con- in our conveyance of love i mean we <clears throat> we don't want to use mercy as a pretext not like a bait and switch right exactly we want it to be authentic (laughs) yeah like it's got to be a a real 
uh, act of mercy. Church has fallen into at times. Yes, oh yeah, so they, for sure. Yeah. But we so we, we have that. I think um, we see we should we see that in the early church. Um, so when we talk about care for orphans, like when James talks about taking care of widows and orphans, there wasn't really a thing that people did. Like adoption was a thing, but you typically didn't adopt orphans. You adopted other people's children to be your children to give them an inheritance. Right? Yeah. Like it, it, that was the Roman idea of adoption. It wasn't like, here's this person. With there was no sympathy family. in it. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't. It, that was Adoption was an entirely different thing. So when there are people taking care of widows and orphans, it was because no one else was taking care of them. Yeah. And so you have people like that, uh, people that we would consider now like with special needs or mental illness uh, or any of those things that would have been rejected by the world um yeah. unwanted children would have just been thrown in the street um and the in places where there was a christian influence those children got taken in uh because of the mercy of god and yeah. so because they because of a christian worldview exactly uh, seeing that every person is is uh has dignity and value in the eyes of god and deserves to hear the gospel no matter what their circumstances yeah. uh, then that mercy leads you to evangelism I think. yeah um and so the goal isn't just to help their physical needs um, all the time. And I think sometimes we can get distracted either way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can we can move the social element to the front. Right. We can either just like we forget to yeah. share the gospel at the end. Uh, we forget to be like, hey, maybe I need to talk to this person about the condition of their soul, not just the condition that they're physically in. Yeah. Um, and maybe this is an opportunity to do that. Um, what, what's the struggle though is well, I mean it's probably a bunch but when we try to do one or the other like we're going to do this is the part where we're going to do the right. the mercy uh, and, and showing care without any expectation like this is where we're going to do that part and then next time we get together we're going to do the evangelism where we talk about the gospel part and when we when we move when we separate the two activities I think for the person that's hearing it, it really it's jarring it's like now I don't understand like what the purpose of were you were you here the first time so that you'd have this time and and all of a sudden we're we're having like these competing kind of um, desires and motives when if in the midst of our showing mercy for the innate human need um, we tell them why we're doing it and yeah. explain that to them in the process of doing it then at least if there are questions and if there's ability to follow up it doesn't have that bait and switch feel to it it doesn't have the sense that we weren't really authentic. And now that we know that you're not really interested, we're not going to come and care about you anymore. Um, we have, if we'll reach out to people that we think could become tithers down the road, but if you're like sincerely homeless, probably not like, th like those are the kinds of weird, like mental adaptations that we do, but that's where the widows and the orphans come in is because you're, you have no expectation that this is going to provide some human element of, of response or retro or repayment. It's, simply for the benefit of the other person. Right. And and that's where having that mindset of mercy really makes a big difference is that we're, we're not re expecting reciprocation. We are we are giving knowing that giving someone Christ is the best. Right. Which we is where uh, we are supposed to emulate Christ also. That he shows mercy on us, not because he's expecting us to do a bunch of stuff for him in return. Yeah. Right? Like when, when Christ comes and shows us mercy, it's not like, all right, now... I did this, so That's right. let's get your part, uh, <laughs> get your part in here, and do that. Um, and I think that if we do them uh, out of out of our devotion to Christ, if we're doing the mercy and evangelism thing together, then that will naturally happen, or should naturally happen. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think part of it is people don't get into the practice of telling people or sharing their faith generally. So then in those situations, it gets awkward. And so then you're just like, well, we just won't do that. Yeah. Um, where if it becomes a natural part of your life to talk about Christ, then when you're helping someone, it's not like it's a weird thing. It's not like, yeah. it's like oh, man, and I also got to add it on just so you know. Here's Jesus also. Right. Uh, yeah. But when we when we do that as part of our normal like routine, is mm-hmm. like you I don't know you're getting your haircut, you talk to your barber or whatever, and you bring up your faith, not as like a hey I'm gonna try to get you saved in the time of this haircut yeah. necessarily, but that we're trying or on to... the airplane, the classic <laughs> right. Christian. But trap. if you're having a conversation <laughs> with someone and it, it like oftentimes I think it would naturally happen like like that's the idea yeah. um that <clears throat> that talking about jesus becomes part of your natural vocabulary yeah. or natural way of talking rather than like, like a, a sometimes sep- i evangelize yeah this is not um, a separate activity if the weirdest thing is to is is to and this is kind of happens more in like culturally christian areas and you know the south you know whatever that means um where you can meet somebody uh, for what would be of you know a, there's a marathon in town and someone are giving out water bottles and someone just wants to help at a marathon they do that but next time they're wearing their church t-shirt and they're doing a different activity and they have a whole different persona in engaging in that thing like that's the kind of separation that the Great Commission is is really pushing against it's like while you're going to the ends of the world in other words in the process of bringing the gospel to the end of the world just make sure you make disciples you baptize them into the name of Christ and then you teach them everything is commanded like this isn't supposed to be this, uh, this, you know, the 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 intensive one moment. This is when I'm really evangelizing, and the rest of the time I'm just living life. Like, it's it's inf- it's having the 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 word of Christ and the life of Christ infused into our life, and it's just a part of all the, like you said, all the regular activities of all the time. Right, and I think that's where we were talking about Tolkien the other day about because uh, like C.S. Lewis wrote allegory about Jesus. So if you read the Chronicles of Narnia, what you will find is what C.S. Lewis believes about Jesus. Like that's, that's what you're going to find in yeah. the Chronicles of Narnia. And Tolkien would say that the Lord of the Rings is not allegory at all. There's no allegory in there, which, yeah. But, <laughs> the, <laughs> but he, whenever he talked about how he wrote and where you see Jesus in his books, is well, I'm a Christian, so it's going to come out naturally. Yeah. Like, I can't. He was, his, There's no his parallels was, like that, yeah. You can't hide what you believe. Like, if you actually believe something, it will come out of like it, it's going to and this yeah. is what jesus teaches right like out of or james james tells us that out of out of a uh, uh, good like good water and bad water can't come out of the same spring like mm-hmm. one or the other is going to happen yeah right like you can't you can't get a, a fig to to grow grapes a fig tree doesn't grow grapes that's yeah. not what happens and so and that is what scripture tells us is that christians bear fruit yeah and so if you are a christian the expectation of, of scripture is that you grow in your relationship with Christ. And as you grow, you're naturally going to bear fruit because of who you are, not because you're like, all right, and now I got to pull out the, my evangelism stuff. And it's good to learn. Like we had evangelism training. I think it was helpful because sometimes we get into the habit of not doing that. Cause we think it's gonna be weird. Yeah. And we get in our own heads rather than doing what would be natural. We go, I don't want to do that. That'd be strange. People would think I'm weird. And so evangelism training usually is to get us out of like the, it's not that weird. Right. This is what you actually believe. Yeah. This is the thing you say your life is fixed on is that Jesus died to save you from your sins. Mm -hmm. So why would you not tell people who are going to die and be judged for their sins that Jesus died to save them from their sins? Why wouldn't you tell people that? Exactly. That'd be weird. 
if you if you have the ability or the the knowledge that will save them then naturally you would want to tell them Mm -hmm. Um, and and looking for not looking for opportunities in the weird sense of of i'm i am i'm going to these places in a in a quest for an opportunity and you start looking at the way people look at you and it's like is that the one is that the one like not like i think that gets a little bit superstitious it's more like i'm i'm i know that god will bring people into my mm-hmm. my my life i know that there will be these moments that we, we used to call them divine appointments but that gets you know one likes to hear that anymore it's, but it's like this idea that god is the one who is orchestrating all of the events and if in response to the people that come our way as we're going through life we are are just intentional about sharing the love of christ with them um we're going to find ourselves evangelizing more and more because we recognize that a part of everyday life is is constantly being orchestrated by God himself. You, you see that especially in like adult converts to Christianity. Yeah. Right? Like when people who were not Christian, they didn't grow up Christian and they become Christians as adults, most of those people that I have met, they share their faith with everybody. Yeah. They're like, no, it's like changed my life. I, why would I not tell someone? Right. right. Like, and we do that with other stuff. We're like, you know, like, I don't know, you, you get on some, like, workout routine. You're like, hey, I got to tell you about this. This is what you got to do. If you yeah. did this, it would change your life. Right. And we're willing to do that with whatever that is and not with Jesus. And I mm-hmm. think sometimes it's especially hard when you were raised in the church around. So, like, for me, I was homeschooled, raised in the church. So everyone I knew was at church. It was the only the only people not in my family that I knew. They were at church. So forever I would be like, yeah, I'm not an evangelist. I don't yeah, I don't right. I wouldn't do that. That'd be weird. Uh, anyway, I think part of it was I didn't know anybody who wasn't a Christian. Like, yeah, <laughs> how do I talk to you hadn't even had a conversation <laughs> with those people yet. How am I supposed to talk to those people? Um, and so I think that becomes more difficult, but becomes a thing that we're supposed to do. So, like when we <clears throat> for youth ministry, whenever we end a youth ministry thing with prayer, usually at the end of it, I pray that we would have opportunities to share the gospel and the boldness to take those opportunities. Yeah, because I think usually we do recognize the opportunities when they happen. And usually we're like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> this would be the perfect opportunity yeah. to tell you about Jesus, and I don't really want to. I've um, got things. And we're told in Acts 1 that when we receive the Holy Spirit, we're given power to be witnesses. Like, that's what the power's for. Yeah. Like, it, it's not a different power. It's not like a separate power and, and the witnesses thing. It's you will receive power and be my witnesses. The power is so that the disciples would be able to share the gospel. Yeah. And that same, that same Holy Spirit dwells in every person who has believed in Jesus. And so if you've believed in Jesus you've been given the power to evangelize, right? So you can share the gospel. Uh, and I think sometimes we don't for that reason. I think also sometimes we think we don't know enough stuff, right? Like, because like yeah. we, we realize we, this person now needs to be discipled. Uh, and maybe I don't have all of the knowledge. I don't know everything. I haven't read all the books. I maybe yeah. haven't even read all the Bible. And um, we anticipate all the questions. Right. Yeah. And so we, we psych ourselves out of just telling someone what we believe and why we believe it. Yeah. And then the, uh, I think this is where Paul comes in, where Paul says he planted someone else and Apollos watered, but God made the growth. That evangelism ultimately depends on God. And with that, our goal isn't to get them to pray a prayer right. or make even a decision that day. Our goal is simply just to express the gospel. Right, tell them the gospel. and then Like, it's really... Not about me, right? And <laughs> like, you, I think when we realize that, not another helps. notch on my belt. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. it helps a lot to realize that because then we're not. It helps us not, I think, to not be as stressed out about whether or not I do it right or yeah. I say the perfect thing. 
is because the Holy Spirit's working, not not me. Like I, if if this person gets converted, it's not because I did it perfectly. If this person doesn't, it's not because I did it horribly. Right. Like I could give you the perfect gospel presentation, and you'd be like, nah. Mm. And, and it's where the other person is on their journey. Yeah. Yeah. I used to random stat that's stuck in my brain that might not be true. <laughs> They used to say that it takes seven times to hear the gospel before somebody would make a decision. Right. So you might be one, and you might be seven, and you might be. Yeah. That's what I was thinking too when you were just saying that is, we we don't know which which of the one of us, um, will be the one that brings in the harvest, but we can be sure that there was somebody ahead of us that was already praying and already had shared and and I think that's the faithfulness of God to know that he is the one that is drawing people. He's the one that is convicting. And sometimes we're just coming along to confirm a message that the Holy Spirit has already been uh, been working on that person's heart and softening them uh, toward. Um, you know, we have this revival thing that's going on in, in Asbury, and, and the, you know, there's all kinds of opinions of to what degree and right and wrong and is it pure and all that. There, there's, there's all that kind of stuff. But here, you know, we are in California, thousands of miles away, we can be fairly certain that a person that we bump into um, has heard something about it. It's been on the news. It's been not just in Christian circles, but in, so could, could this, what appears to be somewhat of a spiritual awakening to maybe in the words of a person that's not a Christian, could that be getting them to think more about spiritual things and about God and about who God is? And if God is doing this in, in their life there, would God want to do something in their life? So it's really hard to, to take all of that responsibility of evangelism on us when it's obvious the Holy Spirit can use infinite measures and means to bring that person to himself. And we're just a part of, we're part of that journey for them. Like puppets. God uses puppets. God uses puppets. I'm not sure that <laughs> puppets I have qualify. Not wear puppets. Like, <laughs> like people like puppets. People do like puppets. I have puppets. a children's yeah. ministry friend of mine. She's got saved by a puppet at, at summer camp. There's a puppet. Like, That's strange. So miracles sure. do happen. Right. <laughs> but I, I think that, that like God uses whatever means he wants to use. Yeah. Right? And so we uh, don't... I think that, hopefully, at least for me, when I realized that, like it, it makes it less stressful to share the gospel with someone. Yeah. That it's not about me doing it perfectly. It's not about me having all the answers. It's not about me being like, all right, and here is this Bible verse, and here is this place, and here is this place. Um, we should try to know those things. Yeah. We should want to know those things. But what it actually is is you sharing the gospel. That, yeah. And so learn First Corinthians 15. Like if, if you're <laughs> and then a good start. Share that with people. Yeah. And then if you have other like and then you'll you'll be able to grow from there. If people ask you questions, yeah. you can say, I don't know. Well, the, and that's <laughs> that, that's the important thing is I don't know when so when Peter describes the you know how we we take the opportunity to speak to other people. Um, it's to describe the hope that we have. And if we're, if we're Christians, we all came to Christianity the same way. The work of the Holy Spirit in our heart through faith and repentance. We, like that happened to every single person that ever came to faith. And then the, then the Holy Spirit was put inside of us. We received the Holy Spirit. So every one of us has the capacity to share what we've experienced with somebody else. And, and we don't have to have the, the doctorate of knowledge. What we do have to know is how to give someone the basic of the gospel that saved us, and every Christian has that. So we're giving someone the hope that we have, which is Christ, and then they can search it. They can figure it out. It, it, you know, the drawing of the Holy Spirit to convict them of their sin, they, they can 
they can do that too. But our confidence is that the Holy Spirit is the one that will continue to do the work and that it's it's not dependent on our yeah. the depth of our wisdom and understanding. And then we point them to Scripture, yeah. right? So that's where we point. And it's very that. easy to say, you know what? I don't know that much about that part yet. I haven't, I haven't learned everything. We could look at that together. Or why don't you check it out? There's good Bible resources everywhere. Um, the the perception that we have to have all the information probably isn't one that other people have on us. It's more of a yeah like internal that. insecurity. Yep. <laughs> Not an eternal insecure, you know. Yeah. So. It's a different doctrine. It's I a different that doctrine. Covers <laughs> yeah. I think all right. Cool. So if you have questions, comments, suggestions, things you want to know about evangelism, you can send them to podcast at parksidevisalia.org. And until next time.